P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yes. And honestly, this is the perfect medium for us because neither of us are leaving our homes for quite yes. some time. Yes. Yes. Honestly, relatable. That's that's what I took away from the woman in the window. It's like, wait, what's the problem here? <laughs> it's like, wait, this is, is this, is this Everyone should stay home. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with a little bit of neighbor spying so yeah i i want everyone i would love if we could roll back the tape and honestly maybe i'll find the clip and force you to put it in this episode but um about a month or two ago we were doing our 2021 preview and matt came up with this theory that oh my gosh woman in the window is actually going to be a sleeper hit because they sat on it for so long. So that must mean it's a good thing. That's that's Matt logic for you. And so here we are talking about a movie that probably no one should spend any time talking about, but uh, Woman in the Window, uh, 2021, that was meant for 2019, I think, originally. And um, yeah, curious to know how you feel about that, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay. I would like to... Yes, we're talking about the woman in the window. This was originally <laughs> supposed to come out in 2019. Then it was a Fox movie. There was the Fox Disney <laughs> merger. It got bumped due to that to May 15th, 2020. Obviously, then the pandemic really messed that up. It was supposed mm-hmm. to come out theaters. Netflix bought it. They announced that. And so then it just came out on Netflix this past weekend. I do not understand for the life of me why you wouldn't release this movie at some point during the pandemic it feels so timely and like like the 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 gifts and the and the cultural zeitgeistiness and the fact that there was nothing that was coming out if this had come out on VOD on Netflix on anything at any time between like March 2020 and like this past Christmas or even like January i feel like it would have been so perfect and instead they wait and release the movie about being trapped in your house to like the the month now where everybody is like frantically leaving their house as fast as they can like ripping their mask off their face in the process i just okay, I, feel like I mean the, you you really sidestepped the fact that you thought this was gonna well, be good well <laughs> well are you ready for the the okay. most oh, no! development of this podcast. Oh. I actually sort of like this movie. Oh I God. was kind of into it. Oh and my I don't gosh. know if it was my low expectations <laughs> or what, but I, we got to the end and I was like, hmm. I did not what? actively hate really any of that. I thought it was kind of fun. So we oh, have okay. a woman in the window stand on the podcast. <laughs> one of i don't know two one of, of two mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's me and aj Finn. we both love the movie <laughs> i mean this has 28 percent on rotten tomatoes it is a 39 percent on metacritic so that means an average of the reviews were about 40 percent um i just oh my gosh i i just every time this happens i'm taken aback and i I need to just mentally prepare for this more, but I really think I get I think I get to know you more and I think I figure you out and I think I can predict things and then there's just something like this where I'm just there like There is there what? is one there is a moment in this movie that you should have immediately been like Matthew's going to be on board with this. I honestly can, I honestly Can you identify what that moment? Think about what it is. I have no idea. You know what, what is, kind is of it movie? Like mixing drugs and booze like I don't- 
No, it's the scene where they're fighting on the roof, and the guy yeah. takes the takes the trowel and yeah. swings it at Amy Adams, and she has her mouth wide open, and you can see the trowel go through the cheek and the like <laughs> out the middle of the mouth, and I was like, "Oh wow, I've never seen that before." That's it. That's I mean, all it takes I, for you. That was a cool. That was a cool bit. I also just what? loved I love the stylized fighting of the whole final sequence. That's a that five was, minute sequence of an hour and a forty minute film. Right, and then it comes all, at the end of a but, long hour and thirty minutes. Yes, but also I sort of like the vibe of the movie. I feel like there was a lot oh of like gosh. weird lighting and stuff. I love Amy Adams. Oh I liked the, the whole the car in the living room thing. I felt like there the was The car some in the wi- living room. Okay. I thought there was wow. some like the bars style. On the floor, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Here's the thing. I thought this movie was going to be ve- very, like, straightforward paint-by-numbers, like, bland, boring, which it sort of was in general in the plot. Like, the plot didn't yes. really interest me at all. But I'm going to blame the plot problems on the author, which we'll get into <laughs> later. As far as, the, as far as the movie goes, I thought that, like, the performances weren't terrible. I liked the... I thought that it was very, like, styly, and I sort of liked that energy that was going on. And then that final, like, fight scene, I thought was very cool. Uh-huh. Um, okay, counterpoint to all those bad points. Um, <laughs> it's the... It's the director's, the also, film writer's responsibility or it wasn't to make okay. a better story if they're handed garbage. That's always the point. And that's why some adaptations work and some don't. You can't just be like, oh, well, the author wrote a bad book. Well, then they shouldn't have optioned it if they didn't have a better idea. You know, you can't just like be like, oh, it's the writer's fault. Like, well, no, uh, these this is now in another creator's hand and the creator made choices about having a bland storyline and weird characters and poor plot choices I that he find, could have, they could have revised. I didn't find the story or the plot like that boring. Okay. Like I did not find it thrillingly interesting or super twisty, yeah. but I also didn't find it like mind-numbing i thought the fact that i mean twist or whatever spoiler (laughs) like i thought the fact that the kid did it at the end was like i didn't see that i knew that the kid was weird but i didn't like i didn't see that coming so i don't know like it wasn't did you read the book i didn't read the book no okay i will say i have been uh, i'm usually not like into the cycle Psycho- whoa psychological thrillers um but a bunch of them have been recommended to me so i have been reading a lot of them recently and so i think maybe that also made me like aware of a lot of tropes that were being lazily um patched together here so it was like right at the bat though this is a boring film because it's too familiar it's it's straight up rear window it's yes a, that's it's true. a woman stuck inside looking at her neighbor's houses just because she's avoiding her own life and and it's not done well. Like Disturbia featuring Shia LaBeouf is more well done and tense and interesting than this. And it's not just because this is like, okay, girl on the train, gone girl, like all these uh, psychological woman mystery whodunit thrillers, like what's really going on? Like, no, this just never captured my attention except for when it did weird jump cuts to your stylized, like preferred takes and lighting and whatever and it just it didn't pay off for me it felt like they wanted to do cool shots but they they neglected the story in the process i will say this so i do not love this movie like i love eurovision or something right it's like actually good i think i like the style and the vibe of this and thought it was 
better than I expected and better than like the 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, what I feel about like, how I feel does like it probably compare like to a Goldfinch? <laughs> well, I was thinking about The Goldfinch and I think The Goldfinch is a better movie than this was. Interesting. Okay. So this is like you found it to be sort of a guilt, like a like a surprising pleasure. It wasn't like a Stan moment. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't a Stan moment, but it was sort of like, a, oh, that's kind of fun. And I think the <laughs> fact that it is sort of short, like I, I didn't feel like it lagged really. Uh, oh, like, I, I felt, I felt, I felt like, like it like moved it fine itself. at a good clip. Um, also, I also think that I'm mildly interested in this movie just in general because I'm obsessed with the New Yorker story about <laughs> Daniel Mallory, okay, aka yeah, break the it pen down. writer of uh, this book named AJ Finn. So I will say this. If there is a single piece of journalism from the past 15 years that you should read, <laughs> it is this New Yorker article about the author of this book who it turns out is like a serial liar slash con mm-hmm. man who like also maybe plagiarized chunks of this book who has just lived an extraordinary life of lying and this reporter like went back through his entire life like tracked down school teachers and old bosses and everything to chronicle all of these different stories that he's telling about how he had was in electroshock therapy how he had cancer how he had a brain tumor how his parents died how his brother died how his parents died in different ways how they got sick but didn't die all of these credentials that he had how he worked on various films and polished scripts for things that he didn't polish how he found jk rowling's manuscript like just all kinds of crazy wild stories and then how whenever he's confronted with these stories he sort of like flees and then comes back in a new version of himself and like tries to dupe more people it is something straight out of like catch me if you can except for it's this author and he somehow even though he worked in publishing for like decades and everybody supposedly like knew that he was weird and knew that he was lying got them to publish this book in such a way that it became an instant number one bestseller and they made it this movie out of it (laughs) this movie was finished shooting before the article came out so it's like it it had all of this crazy press and everything but this story is just so fascinating and takes so many different twists and turns and like this guy is a is a menace to society, (laughs) but also so fascinating because of just like the level of delusion that he is living in. And so even though I think that he, I think part of the reason why this book is bad is because he just like basically plagiarized pieces of it from a bunch of different places. But I'm (laughs) sort of like, he as a figure is interesting. And so I feel like I was sort of intrigued by this movie as well, because the whole time I was watching it, I was like, you know, trying to see if I could like sense him and this bizarre whatever energy that he has coming through, which really was didn't happen at all. Um, but I think that's a bonus point. Did you I read mean, that article? It really took oh, yeah, publishing world by it. storm. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's no, so good. it was pretty wild. And um, I didn't realize that this this was his book until I, I didn't remember it because this movie has been such a long journey. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I can see that he the question of his personality is rather whether he's having fun conning people or if he's in like a really delusional space where he kind of believes certain things are owed to him because of i don't know 
his energy, <laughs> his mindset. But I do feel like this story is something that an AI like robot could turn out after reading a few psychological thrillers because it hits on pretty basic points, which is uh, you have this unknown trauma in the personal, like the personal life of the narrator. So they're unreliable in a way Mm -hmm. and you're trying to unpack what that is. But then there's, there's also the mystery of what's actually happening outside of their social circle. And she's watching these neighbors and she realizes that the dad is abusive and she thinks she witnesses this murder and no one believes her. And it's like, well, is that true or not? And then on top of that, you have like the final twists that come hand in hand with those storylines, which in this case were ultra predictable to me. Like as soon, as soon as the voiceover in the beginning of the film happened, I was like, Oh, her family's dead. Like, sorry, spoiler alert, whatever. (laughs) But I was like a hundred percent. Those people are dead. She killed them. And that's why she's an agoraphobe. I feel like I've seen too many of these now at this point, because it's like, I also sense that immediately but then i also sense 900 other things where i'm like oh no that's not a real per- oh no that's a figment of the imagination oh no that's a split personality coming yeah. to talk to her. oh no that's like the ghost of her dead grandmother you know i've seen so many of these like things that i'm yeah. like okay i know that there's something here and i know that it's gonna be one of these but like i can't quite uh, put like, my finger on it just because them, so i'm right yeah at some point yeah mm-hmm. it's like such a mad chaotic dash <laughs> yeah well what's interesting is that this was directed by joe wright who did atonement he did pride and prejudice like he's a well-respected director this isn't like some nobody or someone who's been doing b-level horror films like this well, is someone <laughs> semi-respected right Yes, no, I think he's really great. And I think another reason why I like this is because I, and I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or not, but how I recently watched the Anna Karenina movie. Oh, have you seen that? I have not seen it. So the whole thing, did I talk about this on the podcast? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> how the whole movie is basically like set in a theater. And so even mm. though, you know, the book or whatever, I mean, it's set like in Russia and these different towns and they're outside, like the the interesting way that it's shot is that all of it is like it's on stage right. or like props or whatever. So it's a it's like at one point there's a they're at a horse race, but it's like, you know, the horses are like things that are on the stage. So <laughs> the staging element is very interesting and very cool in that movie. And I feel like they were sort of using pieces of that in this where it's like they have this house and they're not leaving the house. And so it's like the car crashes in the house and the, right. like everything sort of comes together in there. So do there were pieces think, of it that I liked. Do you and think I could see it that. was camp? Like it was intentionally bad in some instances to lean into the tropes of the genre. Yes. Or you really do. You, res- you respect him enough well, to be like, this was intentional. So here's the other thing about this. It was originally shot and directed by Joe Wright. He then mm-hmm. put this cut together. The studio didn't like the cut or I guess it didn't do well with test audiences. So mm. they hired somebody <laughs> else to come in and like clean it up. And so that why that's why I think that there's some scenes that seem like very old film styley and there's some scenes that don't really have that energy. I mm. feel like probably test audiences were like this is too much or too campy or like why are these pe- they, these people don't seem like they're being very realistic. Mm-hmm. And so then they did this reshots to try to make the movie seem more realistic, but then there's still these scenes that aren't realistic within it. So So because- what do you mean? Like what would you 
Like, what do you think? Well, like, some of those scenes where Amy Adams is sort of, like, groping by a door or something. Yeah. And it's very, like, <gasps> I feel the like that is very Halloween. old. Yeah, like, very old Hollywood, like, overacting. I see. Okay. But then there's right, other the scenes where she's not doing that. So I right. wonder if maybe the movie was all, like, and Julianne Moore, I think, as well, is very, oh gosh, like, melodramatic so in her scene. Yes. But then some of the other people aren't really bringing that energy. So I yeah. wonder if it was if it was originally more that way and then now it's not. So really, I'm saying release the Joe Wright cut. You know, <laughs> like, get the people on it. We want to see it. There's a lot of no. clamoring. for Like, get the stands out here. Yeah. <laughs> they did it with Justice League. We can do it with Woman in the Window. Like, where are my middle-aged Woman in the Window <laughs> mom fans? Yeah. I mean, this isn't... This is a pretty impressive cast. You have Amy Adams, obviously, Julianne Moore, who's also a well-respected actress, Gary Oldman, and then suddenly Anthony Mackie pops in there at the end. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, Brian Tyree Henry. And so it seemed like they expected it to be something else. But I don't know if I can buy into the fact that they took a gamble on like, oh, we're going to make some campy film that'll be like so bad it's good, but not like in a, not like in a silly C B movie kind of way. Like this isn't Sharknado. This is going to be like, (laughs) I don't know what they were going for. Hitchcockian somehow. I just, I feel like it was a series of small missteps that took them way off the base that they thought they were going to land. You know, I feel like that the book wasn't that good, but it was very popular. Someone Mm -hmm. was always going to adapt it. They tried to do something interesting with making it more Hitchcocky that didn't work. So then they tried to make it less Hitchcocky, (laughs) but they couldn't reshoot the whole thing. I just don't think it would have been better. If everyone was either, but at least it would have been more, at least it would have been doing something. It wouldn't have been as boring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were moments in the beginning where I was like, Oh, this is like fun it's moving quickly there's a lot of jump cuts as each day gets its new like chapter heading like it's all like it's quick paced but then suddenly it becomes a slog and it was just like and it didn't pay off in a way for me because when the big reveal is there's like this penultimate reveal where she realizes her family is dead and she finally embraces that truth and she remembers it and that's like supposed to be a moment where we're like oh that's why she's been exaggerating these things and confusing everything because she's been avoiding her own pain and like blah 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 but since you would kind of guess that something like that was the reason she was suddenly Mm -hmm. this agoraphobe it wasn't like an emotionally interesting moment obviously you had a stylistic choice you liked which yeah sure it was great but it also just left me kind of like oh okay well, I don't care about her anymore or her journey mm-hmm. because I just don't and I've been told not to and then on top of that she's destroyed like I didn't understand her vibe with her tenant and it all felt very like stagey like show like you'd watch this on a theater stage more than a movie stage and it'd be like all these monologues and whatever but then it was like another 20 minutes before you got to the end because you have to watch her embrace this new truth and seem relieved but then ultimately she's going to kill herself and she leaves a suicide note via video which she has struggles to film because she is laughing at weird things and like i don't know it just like yeah, became this long journey yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we- you got this reveal the final twist which i guess we can talk about in a minute too okay can we talk about amy adams though for a second yeah please and like so she doesn't have an oscar I don't know. Like, she's been nominated a million times. 
I don't know how much that is like driving her career choices at this point. Yeah. But there definitely is a blueprint of like Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. You can you can like Amy Adams was in Sharp Objects, which is also written by um Gillian Flynn. Like so you can see and she got a lot of praise for that. Like you can see why she was maybe choosing this role. You know, you're like she's not wearing makeup. She it's very kind of like dramatic. And and I just wonder like is she trying to take these kind of like sort of like like dour substance abusey like roles like she had in Sharp Objects like she does in Hillbilly Elegy like <laughs> yeah. in an attempt to get an Oscar or is it just that she finds these characters interesting because I feel like she should just do a hard pivot and just do something that's like different and fun like like something more American hustle type energy mm-hmm. and less of these sort of like sad pathetic I'm not gonna wear makeup or brush my hair type roles. <laughs> yeah like Amy Adams can you try harder <laughs> well no but not, I agree it's almost it. like could you try less hard you know yeah. like could you just try to like be in a normal movie and not like yeah. be in something where you're having to like roll around on the floor and you know moan yeah. loudly I love I love Arrival I think she that was one oh, she yeah. truly deserved mm-hmm. and I think in that film, she had more energy than she brought here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, I would have welcomed a much more um, melodramatic approach, such as Julianne Moore's just in over the top, just honestly mm-hmm. too much energy, but at least she was trying something. Whereas yes. here, Amy Adams just, it's an hour straight of her staring at the camera and giggling while she's drunk and then waking up in a rush. And it's like, okay we get it you know like just her outfits are just like these long drapey things that are like sort of like falling off you're going through something she's like digging around in this dark house (laughs) cupboards yeah there was a lot that i was just like what like there's a whole sequence with like her missing cat and i also didn't i don't know a lot about agoraphobia or agoraphobia um yeah, I but was also confused would you be this. like able to just? I don't know. She would once someone came to her door, she was okay with them coming in. Is that like a thing? Like I don't know. I, I, I didn't do my research, so maybe they're fine with people. They just don't want to go outside because yeah, she knew was, a lot about her neighbors somehow. And I'm like, who are you asking? Who are you talking to? How are you finding this information? Well, I think she just like sits there and looks out the window. I was also confused. I was asking my roommate about it, and she said. That I think it has more to do with like open air mm. and like light okay. Okay. than it does with like people and stuff. Cause yeah, yeah, inside the house, she, I mean, it's like the lights are off and she's like wandering around. I would, <sighs> I would, I would assume that if you're, you know, afraid of being outside, you'd be a more afraid person. So you wouldn't want right. to just be like wandering around this giant house with the lights off where, you know, shadows everywhere. Yeah. But I guess it's just, yeah, more of like an outside thing. Cause mm. even at one point, she talks about like how maybe she could go outside with an umbrella and that doesn't really have anything to do with people. It has Mm. more to do with like exposure and things. So yeah. And that all made no sense. And honestly, just everything just felt so try hard. Like even when the, like (laughs) the, the kids at Halloween are egging her house. It's like, why are you going to go confront them? Like who gives an F like just sit there and let them egg your house. You know, like what are you going to do when you're right? There's this whole sequence where she's rushing to the door and trying also, to do find kids her actually egg people's houses. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But then that's when Julianne Moore shows up and she takes the, and Amy Adams yes. is like, Oh, you're this person. I'm like, Oh, 
now we know that it's going to be like revealed later that she's the one who planted the idea and she never actually found out who this woman was and blah, 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 blah. And then oh, again, yeah. I picked up on that immediately when she was yeah. like, you're Jane Russell. And she's like, mm-hmm. it's like she didn't that? say that's who yeah. she was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are you assuming this, Amy? Like, what? Where is that coming from? You just open your house expecting a bunch of teenagers egging your door and it's some strange woman. Like, ask more questions. But. I guess Alco- she had don't mix seen her maybe drugs, through the window know? or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I want to talk about this final twist because um, oh, okay. it's sort of, like you said, it's meant to set itself apart from other uh, psychological thrillers, which usually tends to be like, you know, adults and angry lovers and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But in this story, she's um, she sees Julianne Moore get stabbed in the gut and murdered across the street, but no one believes her because she assumes it's the mother, but then the mother turns out to be alive and well and just a different blonde that we'd never seen before. And and then you're, I don't know, I had no energy in this film because you're supposed to suspect the dad, but it's like, it's like okay, I don't really, like, it, it wasn't played very well by either actor, but it turns out, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, um, it's this teenage son who gives this long monologue where he admits that he wants to become a serial killer, but he's like trying to figure out his MO and he just is watching people die for the fun of it. I don't <laughs> Yeah, he's like a sociopath, but he's yeah. not like a serial killer yet, but he killed somebody at their at like his dad's old yeah, company. Boston and so then they had to move to yeah. New York and then he killed this woman who was his Oh yeah. Like stepmom. <laughs> yeah, cuz that's what happens first is you get you get part of the reveal, the part of the final twist from her tenant who's like that's the girl I slept with. Here's her life story. Like what do you want from It was just so anticlimactic the way it was set up because he was somehow mad about it but you couldn't tell if he had been withholding the truth from her or he just hadn't realized that's who she'd seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then he didn't seem that surprised when she's like, "Well, I saw this person get murdered." And you're like, "Well, shouldn't he be more concerned about that detail? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, but he didn't seem into it. But then I was like, well, what's his deal? Like, were we supposed to suspect that he was the murderer or mm-hmm. he just felt so anti just, he just, he, he did not bring any energy to the scene. And I was like, okay. And then the boy kills him in the dark and she has a scene of like <gasps> rushing through the house <laughs> trying to find but that scene is, is wild like he's yeah. like slip, she's like slipping on the blood and getting dragged yeah. and it's almost sort of like matrixy at some points <laughs> like how like quick the movements are that was really when i was getting you know hyped yeah so did, you didn't the see the rain and the roof you didn't see that reveal coming though that it was the, the teenager well, who had killed his birth mom for the fun of it uh, no i did not see yeah. that I yeah. so I thought I knew the kid was weird, but I didn't realize that that was what was going to happen. Did you like it? Did you feel like it was a good, fun surprise? I mean, regardless of the final fight, did you feel like that reveal was worthy of its <laughs> seriousness? So, like, obviously, the way that twists work is that you're supposed to think, you know, like you as a reader or as a watcher. Like, know who the suspects are. Like, know what the options are. And so what they want you to do is, like, eliminate things in your mind and then have it in the end be something that you've eliminated that actually is the the option. So it's like, oh, the person was dead or, you you know, there were a ghost or something. Like, you're surprised by that because that's not an option that you could see coming. So I think, in general, you immediately dismiss children, especially if they're sort of, like, helpless options because you think, oh, well, it's not the kid. So it is a 
good twist to have it actually be the kid. I mean, that is sort of like why I think Sharp Objects works really well. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I did not necessarily think that this kid was that believable in playing this (laughs) role. And the plot was sort of convolute, was... Yeah, it was very convoluted and just like all of the different things going on. So when it got to the end and it was just like a straight up kid serial killer, (laughs) I, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't fully attached. Also, I was listening to a podcast about this movie and they were saying that there's a big portion of the book. I think my roommate also said this where Amy Adams character, you know, is like a, is a therapist as well as, you know, now an agoraphobe. And so in the book, she's on this, like, um, online chat group for other agoraphobic people. And she has a lot of interactions there. And she's, like, sort of trying to do therapy with these people via chat. And that the boy impersonates someone who's agoraphobic and is on this chat room. And Mm. so that's how, like, they have a lot of interactions and he gets a lot of information from her. And I'm like, had that been in the movie, I think it would have been much more compelling and interesting because in this they really didn't have very much of a dynamic at all other than the fact (laughs) that he came over a couple of times yeah no that was part of the end that i was like what like why did he fixate on her why did he decide to come to her because it all starts when he brings a candle over from his mom supposedly it's like a welcome to the neighborhood in reverse and i was like well was that him just wanting to get in with her because then he he admits later that he like wanted to be what she wanted him to be. And so she, he played into this like victim. Oh, my dad's abusing me trope. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, but why did he become interested in her in the first place? And then why, why drag it out? Like, was he trying to make her break psychologically? Did he know that she saw her, that she saw him murder her? Like it didn't Mm -hmm. seem like there was a real through line onto how they got involved and why he, why he started to haunt her anyways and i was just like yeah okay. i was unclear on how she was selected for this like and was he planning on killing her the whole time or yeah. was he just yeah i don't know because he Strange. sends her like an email that has a creepy picture of her sleeping and it's like yes he's in the house a lot because yeah but also like is he drugging her or is she just drunk no i think he was just like watching her he's like yo i just you're not supposed to mix these i don't know it was just kind of like okay i don't really care about this reveal and i think i would have if there'd been more of a re- betrayal here like some sort of relationship that mm-hmm. that turned out to not be what we thought it was and i think you know similarly um the undoing which was just that show with nicole kidman you spend the whole time thinking like oh it must be them it must be them and your brain's trying to think of anyone less obvious than the husband Mm -hmm. and then it turns out it's the husband and that in itself is kind of a way more interesting reveal even though it's obvious because it's obvious and we didn't want to be obvious and just like how we'll go through the motions and it's like that makes it an interesting reflection for the viewer too whereas this it's really not like asking anything of us except like haha gotcha you know it's like okay well to what end like what are you saying like what's the point it just happened to be bad luck that this woman with her own demons had to deal with a bad neighbor too like it wasn't it didn't all come together in any sort of emotional or psychological payoff except that suddenly she went outside and she faced the rain and she survived mm-hmm. <laughs> she got Very her face for vendetta. yeah <laughs> i honestly so did you think the ending was funny like i thought the fight scene was laughable like i 
Like I kept laughing at how oh I thought bad the fight scene was. was I mean I thought the fight scene was very like campy and but also like very stylized yeah I don't know I enjoyed it I didn't think <laughs> it was bad I thought it was right. kind of fun yeah well so wait yeah. would you say now late now later or never I would say never I it just kind of felt boring <sighs> and unspecial to me oh I would say now. <laughs> Like really, truly. I mean, unless you're I go watch Underground Railroad. I know, (laughs) but Underground Railroad's so daunting. You know, that's like a different vibe. And I think if you're going to watch this movie, you should watch it now because it does sort of have residual pandemic energy. Mm. And I feel like if you wait and you know, I guess never is fine too. But I (laughs) I feel like don't do it later. Like if you're going to watch it, watch it now. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. I feel like if you like this movie because of the style, honestly, you would probably like that film. Um, I'm thinking of ending things because it's very stylized like that. Mm, so that's just a fun. That's just a fun recommendation from me to you. Yeah. But you hated that movie. I know. But and I hated this I just, one, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, do you have lightning round questions or not? Oh, shoot. Um, no, I forgot. But let me think of some. Do you have some? Yes, I have some. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so one, what is like the most interesting thing that you could possibly see happening outside of your apartment windows? How how much of a zoom do I get? I mean, I think you've got like her, you know? Oh, okay. Like, like a really nice camera, that's it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm across the street from a med center, but I'd have to have a really, really nice uh, zoom to get into any of those buildings. But okay. other than that, my building's shaped like an X. So there are neighbors' houses that I can see like into a certain square footage of their apartment. There's a very cute doodle puppy that I check in on every now and then. Hmm. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah. What about you? So, I mean, I'm right across the street from a, another apartment building. So I theoretically could definitely see in there. However, there are kind of trees and for whatever reason, like everybody in the building across the street from me has their, blinds closed like Ugh. the vast majority of the time which i never close my <laughs> curtains unless like i'm changing or something you're just desperate to be a part of one of these stories i'm just like somebody believe well if i get <laughs> murdered in my apartment i want somebody to see it you might have a stalker right now and you might not even know it oh my gosh the drama can you yeah imagine? <laughs> they're just like checking in on you every day mm-hmm. they're like what's that guy up to over there mm-hmm. he threw his stool out like wow it's been with him so long <laughs> yeah rude rude <laughs> do you have a question yet or do you want me to give you uh and just keep going um okay if you had to if you were an agoraphobe and you were just trapped inside your house what is like the one food that you wouldn't get because it doesn't deliver well. Like what's the food that you'd miss the most because you just like never order it. I guess I would miss ramen. Like I feel like you can't really get ramen to go like ramen or pho. It doesn't like deliver well, Mm -hmm. at least in my experience. Mm -hmm. I think I'd suffer through almost anything else like bad, bad Mexican food, like where the cheese already gets like congealed by the time it gets to you is still better than bad, bad ramen. I feel like the worst is French fries. Because, like, they're supposed to be crispy, and whenever you get them delivered, they're always soggy, like, no matter what. But and I they're not could terrible, just, like, re- but they're like, bake them, you know, <laughs> throw um, them in the oven for a little bit. <laughs> I'm also an oven phobe, so I can't <laughs> until you're making your I'm peach a work cobbler. Phobe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
That's fair though. It would be French fries and like fast food, like burgers would all be kind of sad. Also, also I feel like drinks are weird. Like if you get mm. a can of something, mm-hmm. but like iced coffee, mm. I ordered once to my apartment when I was <laughs> on that like 14 day lockdown. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, nope, I'll just go without. Well, which Amy Adams character would you rather be locked in a house with? Like of any of them? Yeah. I mean, probably like Arrival or I'm trying to think oh, of someone who's normal. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like she'd be chill. And also that's that gorgeous house. Do I get trapped in that house? <laughs> you can go to her house. Yeah, that's fair. That would that would sway me too. I think it'd be fun to spend time with Enchanted Amy Adams. Like oh, I was going to say absolutely not Enchanted. She no, seems miserable. it's a lot of positivity. I don't want it, one of the sad It would sad fuel ones. you, you know? She'd, she'd entertain you. She'd be able to like keep the house clean with her little termites. Have you ever seen Miss Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day? Yes. That was fun. I feel like maybe I'd take that one. Yeah. She's kind of spunky. Kind of fun. It's a <laughs> random ass movie because it's her and Frances McDormand. Oh, yeah. It is her. I forgot. Three billboards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this a three billboard spinoff? <laughs> um, okay. Last question. Uh, what article of clothing that you currently own would you wear just sort of like draped around your shoulders every single day if you uh, had to? <laughs> Very specific. I don't like like drape, draped things, but I do. I would you, wear like my one baggy sweater over and over and over and just you like wouldn't want clean it. just like an extremely large like is it a button down? Is it a dress? <laughs> what is it? And But like you're not going to sort of button it and it's going to like fall off you kind of but it's going to be like real choked up on your neck too i, I think i'm a pass yeah i know okay. some people like love i just don't think i like layering you know i like being warm and i like to do it with as few layers as possible so if i can have a one sweater on then that's a victory but if i have to wear like she's wearing a shirt and she's wearing her sweater that she pulls around her that goes past her knees so it's like on her pants too it's too much it's too many layers and then she has that giant pink, like, caftan-y thing that she also yeah. wears. Okay. Well, we just watched this movie. That's, yeah. You know, I'm curious. We were waiting so, for years. As someone who says they like the camp of old Hollywood, did you recognize any of those old movies she was watching? Uh, any of the actors? Mm, any of the... I mean, I did recognize some of the actors. Okay. Name one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Greta Garbo. <laughs> You need to watch more movies. I you honestly, couldn't, you couldn't tell me if that person was in that movie or not. I, I know. I, I just wanted you to admit that you, you're not as well versed in these thrillers. You, you love to, you love to bring that. But up, I will you? say, I think if you like, like Hitchcock has some great films that still stand the test of time. Yeah, I've seen Hitchcock movies. Okay. I don't know. You act sometimes. like I'm an idiot sometimes. I don't act like you're an idiot. I, I I've seen Psycho. Seen. I've seen Rear Window. I've seen Dial M for Murder. I've seen oh, The Birds. God. Okay. I didn't okay. know, Matt. Sometimes you okay. say that your movie, your movie knowledge Just because starts I didn't and see Goodwill ends with freaking Big Little Lies. Goodwill. Uh, or no, Big, big fat, li- liar. fat Liar. <laughs> it, it, the least you could do is, is quote the name correctly, Shelby. Okay. I know. I've heard it so many times wow. on this podcast. Big Little Lies. That's embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing okay. for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 I don't know what we're doing next week. Um. 
because Send i'm not I'll tell us yeah i'm not watching all of the underground railroad by then as much as i want to i just can't i don't have the emotional oh bandwidth. i have an idea we can pull oh. our patreon <laughs> our patreon subscribers right but what are the <laughs> options that we're pulling shelby what is coming out the joke is that her i don't know i'll have to look into it i get to pick okay. next because we'll fi- i had to sit through this so okay uh sure whatever uh we'll see you guys next week we'll be back on tuesday for another regularly scheduled episode <laughs> see you then bye